0: Welcome to Day 6 of 30 Days of Terror. How you do? I've got two listener stories for you today. Are you ready? Never ready. I just, before we start, I would just like to say that I've really been enjoying this so far because it reminds me, doing them all together, like in such close proximity to each other, reminds me of like the wide scope of stories that we get.
1: Yeah, we do get really wide scope.
0: Which is lovely. We yeah. get such like really scary stories and then really nice stories and then stories that are just completely out there. I love it. It's great. Nothing about picnics though. No picnics yet. Maybe, maybe.
1: Maybe one day. We're
0: only on day six. You've got a lot of days to go so maybe there will be a picnic story in here somewhere. Story number one comes from Leah. I want to be a believer in the paranormal but I'm kind of a mix between Emma and Dan. On the one hand, I want to find an explanation, and I won't truly believe until I see a full apparition, but on the other hand, every time something weird happens, I go straight to ghost. I also suffer from severe anxiety, and the brain is a very powerful thing, so that could easily be the reason for some of these things. My name is Leah, I'm 19, and I'm from Falmouth in Maine. I've been around haunted places before and I've had my fair share of unexplainable instances. Seeing things out of the corner of my eye all the time, hearing strange sounds in my house and just general creepiness. The experience that really made me start questioning my paranormal beliefs happened on Christmas 2018. I went to stay with my best friend for a week in Rochester, New York with her mom. Given that my friend and I had been best friends since we were 11, I was pretty excited to spend this time with her. I was going to be staying there from December the 26th to January the 3rd. I'd been really spotty with taking my medication for about two-ish weeks by this point. An idiot me thought, I'm fine. On the way down with her and her dad, I was super excited and we were laughing and having fun. But as soon as we got in her mom's car, we met halfway there. It was like a switch. Obviously, I'd never really met her mom. i had only seen her in person twice before, and it was a very brief meeting. And I was in an unfamiliar place, so I felt uneasy. But this was different. It was dark. We drove to my friend's grandmother's house to drop off some stuff. And when we pulled in, I was excited. It was a cute, warm house with Christmas decorations. Then my friend told me that it wasn't her house, that she lived in an apartment. We got to the apartment, and as soon as we pulled in, I knew something wasn't right. It felt dark and heavy. I no longer wanted to be there. It was such an eerie building and apartment And it was so, so heavy and brooding. I won't go into much detail besides the fact that her mom made me uneasy. And everything there did. I started to dissociate almost immediately. And the next few days were hell. I was so out of it that I straight up forgot about taking my medication. One night I got super homesick, More than I had been. And was trying not to cry all night when we were out. As soon as we got back, I went into the room, me and my friend shared, and I absolutely lost it. I needed to get out of there now, and I couldn't. I was eight hours from home, and I was so scared. My friend tried to calm me down, but I ended up calling my dad and convinced him to make the trip to come and get me. By this point, I'd been off my medication for almost three weeks, which obviously has awful effects. My therapist and I have since deduced that my brain had gone into fight or flight mode and shut down to protect me, causing me to experience almost PTSD-like effects for the next few months, and I'm still recovering almost a year later. Christmas coming again this year is making me nervous because of what happened last year. But anyway, even knowing my dad was on his way to get me, it was still hard for me to be there. I hated that place and I felt so bad because it's where my best friend grew up. I haven't told her much of this, so as not to hurt her feelings. My dad has always been a sceptic of all things paranormal, but he's open to things. He just needs his own proof. He told me the minute he pulled into the driveway of the house, he felt darkness, heaviness and despair radiating from the building. He hesitated going in, And he still swears that this was his feeling at the time. When he got up to the door to knock, I immediately ran and just hugged him as hard as I could. And we both wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. I packed up my things and said my goodbyes and left. The whole ride home, however, I was still completely out of it and I felt really wrong. I immediately went back on my medication and I haven't missed a dose since for fear of this happening again. After months and months of feeling so disconnected and sad and hopeless, I started Googling my symptoms. A thing popped up about possession and attachment and it was spot on. Everything I was feeling was there. My other close friend is a Wiccan and her mom is a shaman. Now I never believed in any of this kind of stuff, like chakras and whatnot but I was so desperate that I was willing to try anything. My friend's mom did a whole cleansing ritual, and after the fact, she told me that she was faced with a dark figure. She couldn't grab the name or any features, but that it had been attached to me ever since I went to New York. My mind was feeble and vulnerable, and it latched on as soon as I got there. It had been draining me of all of my energy. She communicated with it and asked it to move on, and she helped it cross to the other side. As soon as I left her house, it was like a veil had been lifted. I know it's cliche, but this story is 1000% true. Since then, I've been happier, and while I'm still dealing with feelings of not being real and having flashbacks to the feelings from whatever was attached to me, I've been working on mindfulness with therapists, and I went to the eye doctors for the first time in 18 years to confirm that my vision-feeling wonky wasn't just my brain. I was told I have an astigmatism in one eye, and that both of my eyes are slightly outturned, causing my depth perception to be very flat, making everything seem, well, unreal. I cried when she told me. I was so happy that it could be fixed. This was in the end of June. It's now November. And I need to get my glasses adjusted because my vision is still fucked up. But it's definitely getting better. I don't know what happened to me that trip. Whether paranormal or mental. But I believe it was both. Whatever it was fucked me up and gave me some form of PTSD. So I know something happened that day. I have another short story that happened to me literally yesterday that I need to add in. Because it's creepy as hell. I'm a firefighter in training and I'm almost finished with rookie school. Me and three other girls all respond to the same station. Two of them are live-ins in the dorms above the vehicle bay. We all hang out because those girls gotta stick together, especially in a male-dominated field. We hang out at the station all the time, numerous people, including us and pretty much all of the officers have heard people walking around upstairs and doors slamming when nobody was up there. We always kind of disregard it. The TVs have turned on by themselves when we were nowhere near them. We were chilling there yesterday, helping the live-ins dye their hair. They had been smelling something very dead in the bathroom all day the day before, but now it was gone. I'd heard that ghosts sometimes manifest as rotting flesh smells sometimes, so it piqued my interest. While we were jamming out to music, the youngest girl in our group freaks out and says, Oh my God, somebody just walked out of the captain's office. I saw them out of the corner of my eye, I swear on my life. Now she can be dramatic, but I kind of believed her. Our captain had left a few hours ago, but we thought maybe he came back and we didn't notice. He hadn't. Later, the youngest girl had left, because she had to go home for dinner. But me and the two other live-ins were still there. One of them went into her dorm room, in the other room, and I heard a man speaking, loud and clear. I couldn't make out exactly what he said, but it was definitely four or five words. It was muffled, like it was from the other room. We went into the dorm to ask her if the captain had come back. And she was talking to him, because the voice sounded similar to his. We walked in and said, Hey, is someone here? And she said, No. Why? And we told her that we had just heard a man speaking as clear as day. It was so creepy, and so when I ended up going home that night at like 10.30, I texted the captain to tell him the station was definitely haunted. He texted me back this morning. And this was our conversation. I literally just heard a man talking and nobody was there and one of us saw a man walk out of your office. The captain responded. Oh, yeah, that's old Chief Lewis. He's been known to walk the grounds. I responded, for real or are you messing with me? I'm 100% serious. He died in the 1930s from a medical issue when he was on a shift here. There's a thing about him being in my office.
1: I like haunted fire stations and police stations and ambulance stations, but not hospitals. Hmm. I don't know why I don't like the, the thought of a haunted hospital scares me more well, than Well, nobody
0: likes it. a hospital, do they? But no. we associate things like fire stations and police stations with like heroism. Yeah. And we associate hospitals with death and illness and Ooh. all sorts of terrible things.
1: It makes sense that an old chief that spent a lot of time in the station... And then died there would be residual in the station. Knock about, go about his business, maybe tell a few um, firemen off. You know, do those things that he would have done in life
0: because it's a job where you risk your life every day.
1: Your high energy job, isn't it?
0: And you can't just be you can't just be a fireman. You no. live as yeah. a fireman, and and that is your. I mean, it must be really scary. Yeah. To be a fireman.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's. Freaky, thinking that there's someone walking around, and definitely that hearing voices and of a different, like of a different gender as well. So that deeper voice, mm. muffled. You know, there's nobody there. Ooh, it's kind of creepy. It's kind yeah. of creepy. And then to see someone as well. Yeah, it's a bit unsettling, but but explainable, not explainable, acceptable.
0: I think as well in the first story. I think as somebody who's a very anxious person. Mm. I can relate to a lot of the stuff in that story and anxiety makes it so difficult to understand what is really happening and what your brain is thinking is happening and anxiety is just a really powerful thing really and I think the word anxiety gets bandied around a lot these days but it sounds like what this girl experienced was truly horrific
1: yeah, but we, we've we also spoken about before about how sometimes we just get a sense about a place, don't we? Yeah. And her and her dad both had that same feeling. Yeah. Which makes it kind of a bit terrifying.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And our second story today comes from Megan. And Megan wanted me to warn people before this story that it's pretty gory, but I'm here for it. Are you ready?
1: We haven't had a gory story for a while.
0: Yeah, we haven't. For some background, I come from a family with a strong, mostly unsought connection to the paranormal and spiritual world. I have a relative that sees spirits of the recently dead, amongst other things. And I myself tend to be a bit of a sceptic that just enjoys a good story and likes to think about the possibilities out there that science has yet to explain. But when I listened to the stories that you shared on near-death experiences, I had to pause for a bit. It brought back memories on some crazy nightmares I have rather consistently. I'll be honest, I began to cry because I really don't want to be connected to any dark energies that lurk in our world if they exist. I'm scared of that. I'm scared that if they're real, I'd be dragged by them to a state akin to my nightmares and be stuck there. I gave it some thought and decided that there may be more to my nightmares than I've previously been willing to admit. For the sake of allowing others to share their own experiences, I'll limit this story to just one example. I don't know how the dream started, but I remember standing outside in wet, unkempt grass in front of a ramshackle house in a remote area. It was a one story bungalow with a door on the left side. Parts of the house seemed to have been rebuilt or added by someone who didn't know what a nail or a hammer were. Wood panels were sticking out at odd angles, and the roof was blowing inward from years of rotting. The house appeared to have been white at one point, but was now caked in mud and dirt. The whole scene emanated a sense of extreme pressure, like it was manipulating the atmosphere around it to be heavy. Night was descending, and the long shadows of the trees in the surrounding woods began to blend into the darkness. Looking around, it seemed as if the trees were trying to keep their distance from the house. They were leaning away from it, and nothing but grass grew near it for a good fifty yards. I felt someone moving around behind me, and turned to see a man. He was tall, gruff and unshaven with black, greasy hair. He had miscellaneous stains on a white t-shirt and wore dark grey pants. He was sorely in need of a bath. "'It's time to take you inside,' he said. I felt a pang in my stomach. In this dream I was mute. I wanted to say no, but something was telling me that I had to face this, that I needed to be brave.' The man put a hand on my shoulder and guided me up to the house. As we approached the door, the feeling of wrongness, of unease, of pure fear made my whole body vibrate. It was exactly the same feeling you get when you hold your breath for just a little too long. The man opened the door. To the left was a kitchen with a harsh, bluish, white fluorescent light. It flickered slightly. I could just make out the shapes of spiders and flies that had crawled their way into the fluorescent tubing to burn to death. The smell of rotting food wafted from a sink that was piled high with unwashed dishes. Some cabinets had lost their doors. Others were just barely hanging by their hinges. A wooden plank from the ceiling had come loose, one end on the kitchen floor. The other was still attached above. A dark, short hallway was in front of us. The walls were bare. There were no pictures, just blank, dark wood panelling. The man with his hand still on my shoulder pushed me lightly down the hall. The feeling of dread from before was absolute, as if it were the only feeling that existed. We turned right into a large, open living room. A shaggy book's head was mounted on the far wall, A tattered red couch sat beneath it. Those items were the only things in the room. There weren't any tables. No pictures on the wall, not even a light fixture. If it were still light out, the room would only be lit by the day peering in through a small single window. But it was dark out. And though it was very dim, it was still light enough to see, as if a candle were flickering somewhere. The man behind me sighed. He flipped a switch. I began to hear a deep mechanical whirring. The floor shook violently. The flooring in the living room slowly receded to reveal spiked grinders churning up entrails. Wads of fresh pink and red flesh wet with blood flew up from the spinning grinders and splattered onto the walls and floor. I saw human hands and rib cages caught on spikes as the girder spun. I whipped around to turn away from the scene and wretch. When I was done, I looked up to see that the man had been replaced by a naked woman crouching on the floor in front of me. At least it looked like a woman. But her anatomy was all wrong. She was completely white, like porcelain, and hairless. She was on her hands, with her legs tucked up underneath her, standing like a dog. Her torso was facing the wrong way, with her back towards the floor and her stomach facing the ceiling. Her head was right side up, though. She had two small slits for her nose and had no eyes, as if they were freshly plucked from her face. She opened her mouth unnaturally wide, and from it projected a white liquid... I shuddered to even say it, but it just kept coming as if she were a fountain. I ripped my eyes away only to turn and find the book's head mounted on the wall flailing wildly. Its antlers slammed on the wall repeatedly, it was thrashing and screaming in pain. His eyes rolled and desperately looked for a way to escape. Beneath the book, sitting calmly with his legs crossed on the couch, was the man from before. He wasn't smiling, but he did seem mildly amused. I got the feeling that he did this often to anyone he guided into the house. I started to sob. The spiked grinders were still turning. The white woman was still there. The book continued to thrash, but the man sat calmly. The dream shifted, and we were suddenly in the kitchen, The man pulled out rusted knives encrusted with old blood and held them up to the light. Inspecting each one closely, he would look at me, reading my face every time he made one flicker in the light. Then he smiled. It was slight but extremely telling. I knew in that moment that he had guided me into this house because it was where he liked to torture his victims. But he didn't want to torture me or kill me. He didn't even want to hurt me. He just wanted to show me. He wanted me to see it, as if he were showing me his art. I slowly rose to consciousness at this moment. After listening to your episode on near-death experiences, I can't help but think that I crossed paths with something dangerous in that dream. I have loads of horrible nightmares that I learned to deal with throughout my life. But this was the only one where I was completely alone with a man I'd never seen in my life. And he was extremely detailed. He felt real. Another fact that scares me is that it's the only dream where I've ever smelled anything. I've been able to physically feel things in my dream before, like the texture of hair or pain. But I've never, ever smelled anything.
1: I mean, I hate having nightmares anyway i'd love to know a bit more about the science of nightmares actually and why
0: yeah i would as well actually i we don't should get roana
1: on <laughs> i don't know
0: very much about the science of nightmares no Rowana. when when i would talk to her about my dreams, she would tell me this theory about there's i think there's a freudian or jungian i don't remember which one it is theory that you are every part of your dream so if you dream so so the theory would be that this particular man is some sort of representation of Megan. Oh, wow. And that, like, down as far as, like, the red sofa is some yeah. sort of representation of Megan or something that's happening in her life. I don't know if I... That
1: adds a very different inflection to that story. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I, um, <laughs> if I... If you're down with that.
0: If I believe in that, yeah. but I do think dreams are fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to understand, like, why our brain does nightmares. So why it puts us in dangerous situations when we're asleep obviously we don't know that they're dangerous but like your brain is responding to it in a dangerous way isn't it
0: yeah and your brain obviously knows that it, you're not really in any danger but it's still giving you those mm-hmm. feelings but i guess it kind of ties in with that feeling of anxiety in the first story as yeah. well that even though somehow your brain knows that what it's feeling is irrational but it still does it yeah you know and it's and sometimes it's like people describe anxiety as being like a glitch yeah. You know your 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 body is and your brain is responding to a perceived threat that doesn't exist. Mm. So why does it do it? And nightmares are kind of similar. Your body and your brain is responding to a perceived threat that doesn't exist.
1: The only thing I will say is I've had loads and loads of vivid nightmares and vivid dreams. I'm quite a vivid dreamer. Like yeah. I get a lot of detail and I remember dreams where I've felt various different things and different temperatures. And sound. But I can't remember a dream or nightmare where I've smelt something.
0: I know, that's a really good point. Mm. And they say that sense of smell is the most powerful sense that we have. Yeah. Because it's linked to like memory and stuff.
1: Slightly unnerving that there's someone in the woods with a white porcelain woman that doing some kind of weird gymnastics. And there's some sort of, of
0: I think it's, um, potentially it's an Indian folklore. Okay. Maybe where there's like um, a creature or a woman whose torso is back to front. That is somewhere in my brain. Mm. There's some hidden away somewhere. There's a fact about that. But I wonder.
1: sounded like an art horror film. I was like. Well, what, was like a, what was
0: that film we watched Mother? Oh, where yeah. Where we just came away from her going, what the fuck?
1: Is it, yeah, it was Mother, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was good. Mother
0: exclamation point.
1: Yeah. But yeah, the smell thing is the thing that unsettles me about that more than anything else. Because I've had really violent, horrible nightmares before. But it's the smell. That's I actually,
0: strange. I have to say, I don't really get, touch wood, really bad nightmares. I will have nightmares every so often, but they don't, I don't really remember them afterwards. They don't leave me traumatized. I'll, I might wake up and be a bit upset for a while, but that's it. So I think I'm very lucky in that regard. Yes, I, do yes. have, I do have, I do very vivid dreams every night. Yeah. But I don't have really vivid nightmares, luckily. it's a good thing. So if you enjoyed today's episode... You can find me on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram
1: at 50pMovieClub.
0: You can find us on Twitter
1: at RealGhostPod.
0: You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give us a like and join our supergroup, which is RLGS supergroup. And the password is Emma and Dan. And it is the nicest place on the internet. If you want to send in your own story, you can send it to.
1: Real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories for either $5 or $2 a month, and you get heaps of extra content. Not that anybody needs it at the moment. Extra no. content, fuck me.
1: But I mean, if you have found that an episode a day is not enough for you, yeah. there is more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to give everybody an update on the raccoons. So yesterday I was upset, I was frightened to look at the baby raccoons that had been brought in to out of the woods wildlife and uh, one of them was covered in maggots and one of them was about half the size that it should be anyway you'll all be glad to know they made it through the night hey i don't know why i'm saying this because we're pre-recording yeah. this so Sorry,
1: everybody that felt the uh the twinge of panic when they heard this episode yesterday would actually have been able to find out instantly <laughs> yeah
0: <worked> <laughs> but uh, yeah they made it through the night so i'm very happy and on that note We shall see you tomorrow. Bye.